I'd like to speak for a little bit about having supernatural faith in the unseen hand of God. Having supernatural faith in the unseen hand of God. Amen. Because it takes faith to serve a God that you can't see with your two eyes. That word supernatural simply means relating to or being above or beyond what is natural. Unexplainable by natural law. The God we serve is unexplainable by natural law. The faith that we have in the God we serve is unexplainable by natural law because we cannot see him. But in our hearts, we know he's there. Amen. So I ask the question, what is supernatural faith? Supernatural faith is the very definition that the Bible gives. We know in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is substance and it is evidence. It is something. Amen. The Bible says, For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. The people in the Bible that we read about, the stories, the prophets, and the, the, the men of God and the women of God that seen the hand of God move for them, those are the, the elders that obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Visible things that don't take faith are things that mostly we can use our five senses to recognize, taste, touch, see, hear, and smell. That's common sense. That's what our natural senses can sense. But things that are not visible or unexplainable by natural law or what we would believe to be supernatural. Don't get me wrong tonight. I'm not talking about no random act or odd things that happen to people. You know, some people kind of go too far with this. But I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the unexplainable power of God that always lines up with his word. And on the other hand of this, I'm a firm believer that anything supernatural that doesn't line up with the word of God is just simply demonic activity. Amen. Anything that's supernatural is going to glorify God. It's going to line up with the word of God. And if it's not, it's just plain old demonic activity and you just need to stay away from it. It's nothing to do with God. Amen. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 8. Chapter 6, I'm sorry, verses 8 through 17. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 17. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God, talking about Elisha, sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you pass not such a place, for there the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there more than once or twice. So then the heart of the king of Syria was troubled for this thing. He called his servants and said, tell me who is against us and who is for the king of Israel. And one of his servants said, no one, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel. He tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. And he said, go and find where Elisha is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he's in Dothan. Therefore he sent the horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. So here we see the king of Syria that's coming against the king of Israel, okay? But every time he comes up with this plan to attack, God speaks to Elisha and tells him what's going on. 
And so Elisha goes to the king of Israel and tells him what God told him. How many knows that God said that he will let his people know what he's doing on this earth? Amen. If we're listening, God will reveal his plan. And so God protected the Israelites and and the people of Israel, that is, through the prophet of Elisha. So the king of Syria started figuring out something's not right here. Somebody in the camp is telling my secrets. We've got a spy that's in the camp. And they said, no, this man Elisha knows what's going on for some odd reason. So he said, let's send this army to go get him. Verse 15 says, and when the servant of the man of God, Elisha, was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host can pass the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha said, fear not, for they who be with us are more than they who be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray you. Open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Talking about the army of the Lord here, church. You see, Elisha had been in touch with God. He had seen the miracles before, so he knew that he wasn't alone in this battle. But his servant needed a little bit of encouragement. His servant... All he looked around and seen was the vast Syrian army that was coming against him. And fear started to come against him. And Elisha said, Lord, he prayed, God, open my servant's eyes to let him see what I know is there. And all of a sudden, he's seen in the supernatural realm. All too often, we have this natural focus to see we are surrounded by an attack of the enemy. And every one of us, I'm sure, If I gave you the mic, you would be able to tell me what is attacking you, something that's surrounding you that the odds are against you, and you are not capable to overcome. You just can't do it. But I'm thankful that we serve a God that never leaves us and never forsakes us. He's a God that will send his army to protect us and to fight for us. Amen? It's natural for us to fear when we're under attack. But I think about this sometimes as mature, spirit-filled leaders, there comes a time when our supernatural faith has to grow so that we can be like Elisha. We have been in this long enough to where we shouldn't be the servant saying, what's going to happen to us? We as spirit-filled believers ought to be close enough to God to where we can We can meet with a person that is a newborn Christian that is wondering, why am I being attacked by this? I'm being overcome by something that is bigger than me. We should be so full of the Spirit that we can see beyond the situation and be led of the Spirit to speak a word of God into their life that would open their eyes to see the army of God that is around them. We may not visually see that army like Elisha did, but when we open the word of God up to them, what we're doing is we're opening up their spirit to the army that is there to fight for them. We are opening up their faith so that they too can stand and not be paralyzed in fear, but they can know that God is with them. Jesus' biggest complaint when he was on this earth against the people he was around was they had little or no faith. We, often we see in the New Testament, his words was, oh, ye of little faith. But it seems like we have, we have turned our eyes off of Jesus. That old song says, turn your eyes on Jesus. Seems like we've got our, our eyes off of him. And when we do, 
our faith isn't as big as what it should be, and so our situations become bigger than our God. Notice the further away you get from something, the smaller it becomes. The further you wait you get from God, the closer you get to your problem, the bigger your problem seems and the smaller God is. But the closer we get to God, the bigger he is. Amen. Revelation chapter 19, verse 16 says, And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords, this is Jesus. Something, as I studied this, I thought about the situation with the kings. A king always has an army to defend his people. He always has an army. Well, Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Psalms 91, verse 11. Let me tell you what kind of army he's got for us. Psalms 91, 11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. God has a host of angels. Psalms 34, 7, one of my favorite scriptures, it says, The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Did you know that as a born-again believer, you have an angel that has been assigned to encamp around about you, to deliver you, to keep you? That is what the Bible says. God has a vast army of angels that is sent to encamp around his children. As the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he is doing his duty as a king to make sure that his children are kept and protected as long as we stay in the word of God, as long as we stay in the will of God. Amen. Daniel chapter 10, verses 2 through 5 says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So Daniel was fasting because he was in a predicament. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, he said, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded up with the gold of Euphaz. Verses 12 through 14 says, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. How many times have we thought we've prayed long enough and we thought that we've waited long enough and we think that it should have done happened and God should have already moved for us and we stop prematurely before the hand of God comes and we don't know what's happening in the between. Because let me tell you what was happening in between here with Daniel. He was, fra- he was fasting. He was praying for weeks. He could have given up, but he had to have known there's something going on in the spirit realm that I don't know. So he continued. So this angelic being told him, I was trying my best to get to you, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make to you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. Church, when we are praying for God to move in our lives, the very moment we open our mouths in faith to call out to God, he is working on our behalf. But there is a spiritual battle that is going on that we cannot see all the time. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There's principalities and wickednesses and rulers in high places. There is spiritual battles that is going on. The unseen hand of God is moving for you when you don't see it. 
when you keep your faith in line with the word of God and you don't back down and you don't give up on God, he is still moving for you, amen? God is not on our timetable. In fact, God is our timetable, amen? It's his time. God is father time to me. That old uh, fable, father time is God. God is time. Isaiah 55, eight through nine says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is what God's telling us. Your ways are not my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, I don't know how many miles it is, light years from the earth to the heavens, but that's how much higher his ways is compared to ours. He says, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I like being under someone that knows more than me. Makes me a little bit more comfortable. We should be comfortable knowing that we serve a God that knows more than us. He sees what we cannot see. He goes before us. The Bible says that he will make the crooked places straight. Well, how can he do that when we don't see what's ahead of us? Because God is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere at the same time. God is a good God. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in, in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared. And Jehoshaphat feared. I find myself there all the time. And can I tell you something? It is natural for us to fear. I, I, I'm... I, I almost want to say it's okay for us to fear, but I don't want you to understand that it's okay to live in fear. I'm not talking about the spirit of fear. But when we see a situation that is bigger than us, it's natural for us to fear. But what it should do is bring us to our knees. It should bring us to our knees. The Bible says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. He had to realign himself. He set himself. Maybe he was looking at what he was facing. Maybe he was acknowledging the fact that the army that was coming against him was greater and he couldn't do it. But the Bible says he set himself to seek the Lord. The Bible says, I lift up my eyes into the hills from whence my help comes from. My help, your help, our help comes from the Lord. We have got to understand that we cannot fight this battle alone. We can't, but we serve a God that is our warrior. He is our victorious king. Amen. So Jehoshaphat feared, set himself to seek the Lord, proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Verses 13 through 15 says, Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, goes through a bunch of those names, the Levite, the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. I love how God works. When you set yourself to seek the Lord, the Bible does call out for us to fast sometimes. You see what Jehoshaphat did? He called for the people and the wives and the children to line up 
to straighten up, to pray and to fast. When you do things in order, all of a sudden the spirit of God starts fall, things start falling in place. And here's how I know that because it says the spirit of the Lord came upon someone to give instruction. The spirit of the Lord will come in our midst when we are in line with his word. We, once we get in the word and the word calms us down and stops us from going crazy because we know we can't fix it. When we get back in line and we are praying and we are being led by God in a fast in times of our life, and the word of God is working through us, God will have his perfect way. The Lord came upon this man, Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, and he said, listen, all of you Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says, don't be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's battle. That is a load off of King Jehoshaphat right there. Because he knows I can't overtake this army that's coming against me. It's the same for us. It's okay to recognize that what we're facing, we can't fix. There are situations that happens to us that we are not able to fix. There are battles, there are, the enemy surrounds us, and it's too much for us. But praise the Lord, the same God that was for Jehoshaphat is the same God for us. And he would say tonight, the battle is not yours, but it's mine, God said. The unseen hand of God that is working in our behalf is winning the victory for us. If we just keep moving in faith, we can't stop. Verse 17 says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Listen to this. Thank you, Jesus. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You, verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Don't fear, don't be dismayed. Tomorrow go against them for the Lord is with you. The unseen hand of God, church, is with you tonight. He promises he is with you. It's not your battle, it's God's battle. But we have to believe in faith. And you know what faith does? Faith stops trying to fix the problem. When you know you've done all you can and you know it's bigger than you, faith just steps back like the Bible says, stand still and watch the salvation of the Lord. That's what faith does. Zechariah 4, 6. So he answered and said it to me. This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by our might. It's not by our power, but it is by the spirit of God. I think about when David slung that stone at the giant. Some People would say, well, man, he just had a good arm. He slung that stone, and that was a perfect hit for that slick stone to go in that giant's head. But see, I believe, this is just my opinion, I think that the angel took that stone and guided it right into the head of that giant. That was that angel that was encamped out around about the children of God. That was the unseen hand of God that guided what David had, that simple little stone that probably wouldn't put a bruise on my arm, but that stone 
See, some of, us, some of us think that what we have is not enough. I've been there. I, what, what I have is not enough to do something that God would want to do great in me. But God can take something as simple as a smooth stone, if that's all you have. If all you have is a small talent, you take your natural and put it with God's super. And all of a sudden, you have a supernatural situation. That's what happens. That rock was nothing. David was just a willing, faithful vessel that obeyed God. David could have said, that is too, there is no way I'm going out to that giant. Small, ruddy, little redheaded, little skinny boy. There's no way. But that little boy had some faith. Faith that I pray that we can all rise up to have one day. Faith enough to say, I know that I'm not the most powerful, strong fireball like some of these other people are. I know I may not feel like I have enough faith, but I'm going to take what I do have. I'm going to take the faith that I do have. I'm going to be like David. Remember the, the, the bear and the animals that I did kill. I'm going to remember what God did do for me. See, we can't forget what God used to do. We can't. We can't. I cannot forget what the story the stories that I heard my grandfather tell me, we can't forget what God used to do because that's what encourages you. That's the faith that you need to say, well, God did this back then. He may not do it the same way, but God's still gonna do something. I don't know why we're not seeing dead people raised and people miraculously healed, but I'm not gonna stop believing that it's not gonna happen. I'm not gonna stop believing. It's God's timetable, amen? It's his battle. He could be working things in the back of the scenes that we don't even know, but we can't stop believing in faith. John chapter six. If you have your Bibles, I would like for you to follow along with this. This is good. John chapter six, verse 16, verses 16 through 21. And when evening was now come, his disciples went down into the sea and entered into a ship, went over the sea towards Capernaum, and it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. He wasn't there. You see, just earlier in this chapter, the disciples had just witnessed Jesus feed 5,000 with just a few fish and bread. He's seen, a, the disciples seen them do a great miracle. And after it was all over with, Jesus said, I know they're wanting to crown me king. They're wanting to make me king. And all they want me for is for food and miracles. So I'm going to leave for a little bit so that they can really have a hunger for who I am. Why does it feel like God does a miracle for us? And sometimes, and then all of a sudden it feels like that God has left us. It seems like, where are you, God? You did this. You did this, God. I, I'm going to go back to God. You used to do this years ago. God, where are you now? Why did you leave us, God? Why aren't we? Why aren't you making them uh, the fish and bread multiply like you did? Why aren't you? Why aren't we seeing all this stuff happen? Unfortunately, what we could very well do is just quit believing altogether. But listen to what happens here. It says Jesus was not come to them. Verse 18 says, And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. 
So when they had rowed about five and 20 or 30 furlongs, which is approximately four miles, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near unto the ship, and they were afraid. We expect God to do a certain thing for us. And when we set our mind on what we know or we want God to do our way, God could be coming at us in a different way. And all of a sudden, we don't even know what's happening. Jesus was coming to them on the boat and they were fearful because they seen a man walking on the water. They were in shambles because of the storm. They didn't know what was going on. Jesus said to them, it is I, be not afraid. The literal translation is, I am, be not afraid. In effect, he was telling them that he was the I am of the Old Testament. He was Jehovah. Look at verse 21, it says, Then they willingly received him into the ship. This is my favorite part. And immediately the ship was at the land where they went. Four miles out in the middle of a lake, storm comes. They're miles out in the middle of the lake, church. Jesus is walking on water. They recognize it's him finally. They say, Jesus, come in the boat. It's time for us to invite Jesus in the boat. It's time for us to quit having these preconceived conceptions of well, what we want God to do and say, God, just do however However, Lord, have your way in this house. Lord, have your way amongst our church, our leaders, our congregation, our ministers, our, our singers, every part of the church. Have your way, God. Lord, we, we quit trying to make a plan and we quit trying to seclude you in the way that we want you to work, God. But Lord, if you come walking on the water in the middle of a storm, Lord, get in the boat now, Lord. Yes, God, come in the boat. He says, it's me, the I am is here. They invited him in the boat, and as soon as they got in the boat, the boat was at the shore. What Jesus can do in a second would take us more than a lifetime if we invite him into our plan and our life and our work and our church and our ministry let Jesus have his way in our life. Jesus can line us back up. Jesus can make things happen that we can only imagine. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us, that supernatural power that works in us, that faith that works in us, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. We have to walk by faith and not by sight. The power that is in us is the Holy Spirit through our faith. If we don't have faith that Jesus can do what he promised he can do, then we are cutting off the lifeline of our spirit. And we can't use our natural senses to assume that God is going to work in the way we want him to work. It's not going to happen. We have to have faith that God is going to move in his way. 
Mom, if you would come up. The unseen hand of God that is working on behalf of us. Behind the scenes. The same God that when Moses raised that staff up at the Red Sea and those waters parted. Moses didn't know what was going to happen. Moses had no clue. All he said was, he just raised it up. He had no clue. When he obeyed God, the waters parted. The unseen hand of God opened those waters. Noah had no clue what was going to happen when God said, make a boat and get in it. He had no clue. But it was the unseen hand of God that shut the door. How in the world, looking at his family, how are we going to shut this big door? God may not give you everything to do. He might not explain it all to you. But we have to take what we do have, which is the word of God. And we have to stand on it by faith. And then God's supernatural unseen hand will come in and do the extra stuff that we cannot do. All we are required to do is what what God wants us to do through his word. Be willing and obedient vessels to walk by faith and not by sight. Walking in the spirit so that we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is what God requires of us. God's not saying, you better do it all right. You better be perfect. We are going to fail sometimes. But God is a loving, gracious God. He wants to use us. And he's going to perfect us along the way. It's the same God that can shut the door of the ark, that unseen hand that can open the, the Red Sea, that can the same unseen hand that covered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire is the same God, the unseen hand, that can wash us clean by the blood of Jesus, that can keep us, that can save us, that sanctifies us by his, by his word. There's an old song that rang in my spirit as I was studying this today. I asked mom to sing it, but I want to read this, this verse in the chorus. I'm sure you all know it. There is an unseen hand to me that leads through ways that I cannot see. While going through this world of woe, this hand still leads me as I go. I'm trusting to the unseen hand that guides me through this weary land. And some sweet day, I'll reach that strand still guided by the unseen hand church. It's his unseen hand that is moving for you. It's the unseen hand that wakes you up every morning. Why does your heart beat? Why does your heart beat? Who keeps your heart beating? It's that unseen hand of God. Who helps you to keep pushing one more day? Oh, it's that unseen hand of God that clears the way for you. How did you get through what you just got through going through? How did you get through? Think back. How are you still here? How are you not dead? How are you not lost? It's the unseen hand, church, that guided you. That's why you're here. We can't give up because God is doing something behind the scenes for you. He's doing something behind the scenes. We can't stop. That's why Satan wants to trip you up. That's why Satan is working so hard. 
because he knows that God has already gone before you and he wants to trip you so you don't get where God wants you to be. But church, be encouraged tonight. Be encouraged tonight. I pray, Lord, that just like that servant, his eyes was open, God, that when the attack, when the, when the army was surrounding them, God, I pray that just as Elisha prayed, that you would open our eyes to see and to know, Lord, that your word says that you will never leave us, you'll never forsake us, God. You'll never leave us, don't forsake us, God. No harm. Lord, your word declares that you're the eye of the Lord is upon the righteous. And your ear is attentive to our prayer, God. And Lord, we know, Lord, that your hand is for us, God. Your hand is around us, God. Tonight, if you would, just come and thank him for moving in your behalf. Thank you for clearing the way because he is with you, church. Be encouraged tonight. That unseen hand is still there moving on your behalf. Amen. Let's just come and worship him at the altar tonight.